to another episode of the Talking Payroll podcast. My name is Tracy Anglin. In this episode, I speak with Jared McGrath of Smart WFM. This is a really interesting chat about all the opportunities that we have to improve compliance, uh, productivity, and employee experience using workforce management. Jared is, has got a wealth of knowledge in this area, and I really hope you enjoy this conversation I have with Jared McGrath from Smart WFM. Jared, welcome to the Talking Payroll podcast. Thank you, Tracy. Delighted to be here. So I've been reading your LinkedIn profile, and although I know what you do now, it sort of reads like someone who was always destined to do consulting work in technology. I mean, you've got a really interesting background from almost feels like from one spectrum to the other, from sort of being an entrepreneur and, and starting technology and consulting companies to working at Deloitte and Kronos. It kind of feels like you've, you've done it all. Um, you, know, you, were the, you were the founder of uh, the Presence of IT Workforce Management Consultancy in, in, in 2008, and in 2016, you started Smart WFM. Can you tell me why you started Smart WFM, and what actually is it that you do? Yeah, great question, and, and I have got a, quite a diverse background, and so, so let's start at the end first and, and talk about Smart WFM. And about four years ago, I could see that there was this change in the market and we were moving from, you know, what I would say is old school consulting uh, where, you know, it was sort of like we just put a body on a seat and they go and do something, whatever that happens to be, to a, a real new school way of consulting where the customer actually had to sort of take control of their own destiny and and ultimately drive value in, in their organisation. And, and so Smart WFM is a, is a consulting company. That's what we are. And we, we consult around the workforce. And there's three areas that we really focus on. We, we focus on workforce productivity. We focus on compliance uh, from a workforce perspective and a payment perspective. And we also ensure that the experience of the workforce is uh, the best that it, that it possibly can be. So... So that's what Smart WFM is in a nutshell. And, and workforce management's an area that I'm, I'm really passionate about. And again, around the same time that I started Smart WFM, I, I wrote a book called The Digital Workforce. And it's really about, um, you know, an organisation, again, taking responsibility for their own destiny. And at one end of the extreme, they might be working on paper and paying people, paying people with, you know, manual calculations on, on a spreadsheet or a bit of paper. And, at the other end of the extreme, it's about um, digitising that whole payment, compliance, productivity experience process. Yeah, cool. So one of the things that I think that payroll professionals sometimes um, not forget, but perhaps aren't quite sure where they fit in terms of the, the industrial relations landscape um, can you explain to me what what is IR? It, it, it's a good question, and I think anyone that you speak to will give you some sort of a different answer on what is IR. And I'm not someone that sort of would give you a textbook definition of what it is, but the definition that I would give you of IR is probably just based off my observations from working with people on the ground, like those at the coalface, whether they be people in a manufacturing organisation or people in a retail store, um, right through to working with senior leadership in organisations. And, and so I think there's a few different components to what IR is. 
And, and I think it's ultimately balancing the needs of a number of different um, parties, organisations, individuals. So if I was to break it down, I'd say there's the relationship between the employee and the employer. That's part one of what IR is. Then there's also the consideration of the industry that that particular employee and employer is in and then the unions that represent that industry. Then there's also a, another component, a third component, which is really what I would say is, is the government and, and the, the policy makers. And then the final component that I think, and this is something that's more relevant in today's terms, is an overall understanding of what social responsibility comes into play. And, and I think IR is balancing those four different areas. Well, that's a great... I love it. I think that's a really modern <laughs> explanation to IR. And, in fact, it's... I mean, it's been in the, in the press a little bit recently. The, the Morrison government have announced that they will push ahead with industrial relations changes, even if the unions and the employer groups can't agree. So I was reading recently that the, uh, the Australian industry group have called for things like simplifying awards and replacing the better-off overall test um, for approving enterprise agreements and, and flexible work arrangements... Uh, they want clarity that a, a casual employee is what we historically understand a casual employee to be. That is, they paid a loading which covers, you know, the entitlements of permanent work, such as annual leave and sick leave. And also, um, they're keen to retain the current civil penalties for underpayments rather than creating a criminal offence. And on the other side, you've got the Australian Council of Trade Unions, which have suggested actually fewer hurdles to register new pay deals and possibly um, lowering the, the evidentiary burden of, of established of establishing that workers are better off, um, maybe industry or multi-enterprise bargaining, which would include small workplaces and also less casual work by improving workers' rights to convert to permanent part-time work. Where do you think all this is going to land? It's it's complicated. There's no doubt about it. And and that's why the government are on a a, a, a road trip at the moment, shall I call it, to, to get this, uh, what would you say, simplified. Um, but what I think is that we need some sort of um, process to actually simplify all of these different components that are in that are in front of us at the moment. And and for me, coming from a consulting background and just sort of seeing the end result of a lot of this, as you do too, Tracy, in in your organisation, I think that. In the past, we think about all of these different areas that you've just mentioned as individual components. And unless we start all together thinking about all of these different areas that come into effect or, or, or have an influence on a, a policy or an outcome or a payment, unless we think about it from a, a people perspective and from a process perspective, and from a technology perspective, and we understand what the implications of all of those things are, sort of balancing those different areas that make up IR, I don't think we're going to get the right outcome with all of that. Yeah, I completely agree, particularly with things like um, what I've felt certainly in recent times is that any policy changes have really been um, very reactive Things like, you know, the, the annualised salary uh, changes that we saw earlier this year, um, 
you know, I don't think much thought, if any, was put into how employers are practically going to deliver this uh, to retain compliance and also what the cost to them might be over the long term. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And and I think we often in in the consulting industry are at the at the tail end of a lot of these decisions that get made. And so often you will find that you'll get a, a panic phone call from an organisation that has just been handed an an outcome from some IR negotiation that's taken place, and there'll be a requirement to implement some pay policy changes that may be retrospective for six months or 12 months. And those that have negotiated will will have that effective today. And all of a sudden, there'll be this mass panic to try and put these changes in place retrospectively that may not even be able to be delivered from a technology point of view, um, yet alone understanding what the actual payment um, condition is or the rule is, and and all of a sudden we rush these things through and it's it's often found that the the interpretation or the outcome is is incorrect and it's no one's fault, no one's tried to make it wrong, but all of a sudden there's a compliance issue and a and a pay an underpayment um, issue that that's uh, arisen, and and we see it far too often. Well, exactly. I always feel sorry for the pay office when that happens because, you know, whilst, you know, the negotiators are, you know, having a beer at the pub and patting each other on the back for getting the job done, the poor pay officers are sitting there going, but how on earth do we implement this both both from a process point of view, from a uh, governance point of view, and from a technology point of view? That's right. And, and, you know, I sort of see a lot of the workforce management consulting that we do, we sort of see it at the other end of the spectrum as well, where you've got a, an operational manager that's looking after his or her team of 15 or 20 people on a manufacturing line or whatever it happens to be, and all of a sudden they've got to make some discretionary decisions around how we actually pay someone, and there's often a lack of education to that management layer. Um, and right at the outset, you've got different um, rules being applied. and. And then it, it, it goes through the, the process and then ultimately ends up at payroll. And if the operational manager's not sure, then payroll's not going to be sure. And all of a sudden you're left with something that's uh, very difficult to unpick. Exactly. And also you've got historically something that could come back to bite you years in the future. That's right. And, and I think back to sort of where you started, you know, with all of the areas of reform that the government are looking for at the moment that's the the complexity of where we're at and and I think what we've really got to come up with is a, a, a process to actually work out this IR reform and this negotiation process and and I know that um, the whole system of enhancing you know the bargaining system which was one of Morrison's um, areas that he wanted to look at. I, I think for me, that's one of the first things in terms of priorities that that, that needs to happen. Mm, it's certainly not going to be easy, no matter what happens. That's for sure. No, a- a- absolutely. But but I, I think you know credit to the to, to the government for actually looking at what's there at the moment and the, and the complexity of it, and actually taking a stand to try and bring. The different parties together and and get them all working together for the greater good.
Yeah, 100%. It feels, it feels more collaborative than normal, that's for sure. Um, look, we, we both talk about strategy not a lot. I know I do. I certainly know I've heard you talk about it, um, me in terms of payroll, you in terms of workforce management. I'm interested in what the common mistakes you see employers making in terms of workforce management strategy. It's, it's a, it's a, it's never, I, you know what it really is, I think, if you, if you break it down, I'm just sort of thinking as, as you say it, but, but I think if you, if you really break it down, it's not actually understanding the, the end result, what you're actually looking for. Yeah, I, right. I, I find that, you know, far too often I see an organisation just jump in and, and it's back to that people, process and technology we were talking about earlier. Often someone will just jump in and want to solve a technology issue or jump in and solve a process issue. But it's if you don't look at the three components of people, process, technology together, you don't always get the right outcome. And, and I think what I see probably more than anything is that you have a senior leadership team in an organisation that wants to drive some sort of uh, productivity improvement. And whether that's being able to produce more components of whatever, some sort of widget with, with, the, with the people that you've got, um, or, or whether it be to serve more people in a shop or whatever it happens to be um, with, with, with your workforce. Um, I find that often the senior leadership team are, are, are really um, knowledgeable about what they're trying to achieve and they'll set off and they'll approve some business case or whatever it happens to be to go off and try and drive to this outcome. But what I'll find is that that senior leadership team often becomes um, invisible or or there's changes to that leadership team after there's an approval given to go and try and drive up, drive off some sort of um, improvement in the organisation. And then what you set out to achieve is often never delivered or it's, um, it's under-delivered. And, and I think for me, that's probably one of the biggest things that, that challenges um, any sort of operational improvement around the workforce in, in an organisation. Yeah, look, I've, I've been in, around, in and around payroll systems for oh, 26 or 27 years now and it just still never ceases to amaze me when organisations, they say, we've got a payroll problem, um, we'll just change the technology from technology A to technology B and they do that at often great expense and great pain and they realise it hasn't made a difference because it wasn't just a technology problem. Um, which is a real shame because often I, I really hate seeing it, uh, when employers invest all this money and time and energy into these, what they think is a transformation project, but because they haven't actually understood that end goal, um, it doesn't really transform anything and often makes it harder in the pay office. It, it, it does. And, and I think a lot of it is about businesses evolving and businesses maturing as well. And I think we see varied levels of investment in people's skills in organisations and often some of that uh, inconsistency or, or that outcome changing from what the senior leadership were after to what it, was, what it actually ended up being is a result of underinvestment uh, or a lack of investment in the people in your organisation, whether they be at the coalface 
baking bread or whatever they happen to do or whether they're in payroll paying people or whether they're a manager looking after a team or whether they're in senior leadership. And and I think organisations really need to start looking at outcomes across the whole um, workforce from, from the coalface right through to the senior leadership teams and making sure that the education and investment and the alignment is there to really get the, the maximum outcome. Because I think if you come back to um, any sort of IR reform, what we're really trying to do is we're trying to maximise the wages that the, the people in the organisation get paid because we don't want to be going backwards in terms of, of, of earnings. And from an organisational point of view, you really be want, want to be maximising um, productivity um, and output all while making sure you're still compliant. And, and to really balance those different levers and different areas, you need to invest in education and make sure that people are, are able to achieve those outcomes. I could not have said that better myself. <laughs> exactly right. Hey, look, I mean, we talk about data a lot and, and I think data is one of the most underrated assets in any payroll, HR, workforce management uh, office. Tell, I was checking your website earlier today. Tell me about Epitome. Is this something you've developed yourself? Yeah, it is. So Epitome is a, a software technology that I've been developing over the last sort of 12 months or so now. But but going back to the concept of this software, where it really came from and, and measurable value is something that is just I'm really passionate about and I could sit down and talk about it you know, until I put everyone to sleep around me. <laughs> and, and, and for many years, I've, I've developed uh, business cases for organisations. So an organisation will come to us and they'll say, we've got a workforce and we are trying to, whatever it happens to be, we're trying to reduce the cost of labour or we're trying to maximise sales revenue or we're trying to improve a, an experience for our staff members in terms of, making many of their transactions available by some sort of digital um, platform. And so, you, you know, you get an organisation, they come to you and they, they've got all of these things that they're trying to achieve and, and you need to be able to put together some sort of ROI, some sort of business case to, to actually enable that. And so having developed business cases in, in this vein for, for so long, they've always been developed on spreadsheets. Um, and and often, you know, you make an, a miscalculation in your spreadsheet and one of the savings is wrong and, 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 you know, so if you get someone that queries it and then finds a mistake in the business case or the, or the financial results or returns, you know, it loses credibility if, if there's mistakes in it. So, so ultimately what I, I looked to do was to take all of this knowledge and all of this learning from previous business cases and because you see the same things over and over again. A retailer is generally looking for a, a, a certain, um, you know, what would I say, macro set of benefits they're trying to achieve. Um, a healthcare organisation, you know, has certain benefits that, that they look to achieve and each industry has its own nuances but the, but the results in the different industries are, are, are very simple. Um, in retail, for example, you don't want someone waiting in a queue for too long um, and, and so on and so forth. So, so Epitome software is all about 
taking all of the knowledge from the different industries in terms of benefits and measures and, and ROI that you can get from your workforce in, in, in these industries and making that available to an organisation so that they can align these benefits and measures to their industry very, very quickly and using that organisation's data, the real data from within that organisation, you can apply some of that data. So whether it be cost of salaries or uh, amount of overtime that's being paid or whatever it happens to be, and you can can tease out benefits uh, very, very quickly. And, And then the whole idea of it is that you can take those benefits and back to what I was saying before about making sure there's an alignment from senior leadership right through to the to the coalface, you can you can take those benefits and get transparency across the organisation. It's just brilliant. What a brilliant way to think of, you know, to use to use your own data in a business case. It sounds great. Yeah, and I, and I think you know we've we've applied this. Like I, as I said, I've been doing it for years with with spreadsheets, but now that we've got the technology there to do it, the results are staggering. And what would once take sometimes even weeks or months to produce these business cases, we can literally do it in days. Uh, and and given that we know the industry so well, we can even come to an organisation with something out of the bag, uh, just based off a, a discussion that we can have with a, with a leadership team in terms of what, what a business is trying to achieve. Yeah, great. I mean, where, where do you think, I mean, that's very innovative. Um, where, where do you think the next innovation will be in, in the workforce management industry? Where do, where do you think that's going to come from? Yeah, it's it's something that I sort of you know, ponder over all the time in terms of where things are going. But I think something that's got to happen before the next big innovation can take place, I think, is that we as professionals in, what would I say, I'll use it sort of loosely speaking in the, in the human capital area. And if I if I was to sort of define human capital, I'd say obviously that's the people within your, your organisation or your workforce, but the areas that traditionally make up human capital are workforce management, which is about the operational worker. Then you've got HR, which is really making sure that we're, we're driving the, the best value from our from our people. And then payroll, which is obviously making sure that, that all of our entitlements are, are met. I think what we really need to do as, as an industry, and this is probably an internal alignment, is that we need to really get HR payroll and, and workforce management professionals working towards really understanding what each other do and and why they do it because I think then we as consultants can really start driving the greatest value out of our people. So I think there's sort of like a foundational thing that needs to take place um, in Mm. the first instance. And, And then ultimately I think once that foundation's in place, what we're really doing is starting to move towards an outcome focused um, way of working as opposed to a tactical way of working now um, where we sort of, you know, we try to, whatever it happens to be, ensure that there's a piece of compliance that's right or ensure that we maximise the value of a sale or whatever and and we start working more towards outcome-based results and then if you sort of circle it right back around to where I started with the, 
definition of, of IR, we really start to bring that whole social responsibility area into play and we start to balance the needs of employees, employers, industries, unions, and, you know, it's sort of back to that, you know, business maturing again. So so that's where I sort of think, you know, that the next sort of bastion is in terms of, um, you know, driving forward. And, and ultimately, it will be all driven by data. We'll, we'll use data to make really informed decisions. So, so that's sort of where I sort of see the, the next sort of um, uh, enhancement, improvement, maturing in, yeah. in the industry. Okay. I mean, I'm so glad that you, I mean, I, I agree. I'd love to see that. I'd love to see an enhanced use of data. We have so much data from a workforce management point of view and a payroll point of view, and most of it is generally unused. Um, but I'm so glad you, you mentioned social responsibility because I've known you for a long time now. And the one thing that always strikes me about you is your consciousness on how you do business. Um, You're really focused on your social contribution and I know that you deliver on this. Tell me about Pledge 1% and how you got involved with that initiative. Well, it it came back to my daughter in the early days. She she loved running and she came into the living room one night to my wife and I and she said, I've signed up to run for the Kathy Freeman Foundation in the City to Surf, which is a big running race that we have in Sydney. And Michelle and, and I, my wife, we, we said, oh, have you now? And we got a call from the Kathy Freeman Foundation the next day. And they said, your daughter is only 10 and she signed up at this, you know, gold level or something like this to run the city to surf. Do you think she'll be able to run it? And they were fully supportive of it, but they just wanted to make sure that, you know, we were supportive of it. And we sort of went, ah, yeah, I guess if she's going to do it, that'll be fine. So and so that really triggered a, a relationship between us as a family with the Kathy Freeman Foundation and it was all about and we've just had this amazing uh, connection with the Kathy Freeman Foundation since that time. And it's all about, you know, bridging uh, the education gap between Indigenous and non-Indigenous Australians. And, you know, given where we're at at the moment in in world and in society, what a, an amazing and relevant topic. Um, so... So, so we've always sort of, as a family, sort of had this passion um, to, you know, around Indigenous Australia and, and so on and so forth. And but, and but what I wanted when I set up Smart WFM, I wanted sort of corporate philanthropy to be at the core of the business, and and I didn't want it to be an afterthought. So I looked for avenues to be able to. Um, donate, to give, to provide, um, whether that be uh, time and effort or whether that be financial or, or whatever it happens to be. And I, I found Fled, Pledge 1%, which was um, a, a foundation that was really built on you can pledge 1% of time and equity and effort and profit um, and product of your organisation um, to organisations that have special meaning to you. And one of the, the founders and the driving forces behind Pledge 1% is uh, Scott Farquhar, the co-founder of Atlassian. And I, I remember I, I, as soon as I saw it, as soon as I heard him speak, it, I wanted Pledge 1% to be part of Smart WFM. And, and I sent Scott an email and almost immediately he responded. And he said, I would be delighted to support this cause. And... So the story goes. So, wow. uh, 
Yeah, but it's yeah. I think if if you're not looking for things inside and outside the workplace at the moment, especially in a leadership position, I I think that you're not as as whole as as you can be as an individual and as an organisation. So yeah, I, again, I could talk about this forever and ever as well. I love it. I'm passionate about it. I, I know you are, and, um, and, and that's what I love is, is your, your generosity and your authenticity around it. In fact, it's been in, uh, just this morning in our office, we've been talking about we're doing end-of-year seminars at the moment, so we're going through an awful lot of paper because we need to produce uh, end-of-year uh, booklets for all the, all the you know, hundreds and hundreds of people that um, do our training courses. And the team last year, whilst putting these, uh, last week, I mean, whilst putting these together, were quite disturbed about how much paper we were using. So literally right now, this week, um, my team is researching, uh, like you, an organisation that we can support um, that will give back either in uh, Indigenous education, uh, because what we do is training, um, and or um, something to do with the Australian landscape, because we feel like going through all this paper, we're, we're probably uh, you know, having an impact on the landscape. And it's just it just feels good, and it just feels like it's the right thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the additional, um, oh, what would you call it? it? Just reward is probably the word. You know, the personal reward you get from it, it is amazing. And, and if you can extend that reward to... You know your family, your team, others around you. Um, you know more broadly to society. If, you, if you're lucky enough to have that much influence, it's a it's an amazing thing to be able to yes. do. It's fantastic. Um, back, just circling back to the workforce management industry now. I have a lot of people who you know ask me about you know how do they get into certain areas of, of our industry. What tips would you have for someone who is new to our industry and wants to get into workforce management in terms of working with the technology and consulting? Yeah, it's it's not really an area that there is a university course uh, that you can study, or even any sort of um, you know third party TAFE courses or or anything like that, Cert fours or anything that sort of exists in in workforce management. So one we of the reasons, yeah. We well, I was, <laughs> I was just thinking, I'm speaking to the right person to get behind <laughs> it. Uh, because, you know, you, you, that's something that I know you're so passionate about, Tracy, and, and bringing that additional level of rigour and knowledge and understanding into the payroll industry, which I think you've done, you know, better than anyone that I've seen. Um, you know, workforce management does need the same thing. And and that's part of the reason why I wrote my book uh, right at the outset. I, I'd go along to organisations and those that I would always first engage with would say, well, Jared, you've been doing this for a long time. Where's all your knowledge? And, and they didn't want me to cleanse a document that I'd written for another organisation. They just genuinely wanted to know what they needed to do to be successful. So, so I sort of wrote the book with the premise that it would become uh, some sort of a, a textbook uh, in terms of workforce management. But, yeah. uh, but, but yeah, look, to get into it, I, I think a lot of people fall into it. People often come into it through a technology angle. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, they might be building a, an EBA rule into a system or whatever and they come from a technology perspective or often they will come in from a, an operations background so they've sort of used the technology in organisations and, and then they, they get more and more familiar with the technology and then start, you know, coming in from that angle. Or they sort of have a HR payroll background as well and, and 
you know, they just have a love for, for that sort of more um, operational management sort of side of things. But but there's no there's no real sort of direct entry point. But and again, one of the things I've been passionate about since starting Smart WFM is bringing graduates into the industry and investing in them and um, mm-hmm. giving them the skills that they need to be successful. So you can always reach out to myself and uh, I, I'd always make time to, to chat to someone or point them in the right direction. But uh, but no, massive opportunity area um, to, to build a whole education um, program and certification around this. Yeah, brilliant. We should. If only I didn't know what it took... <laughs> <laughs> we should we should put it on our we should put it on our goal list for sure. Let's work on that. Yeah, I'd um, love to. What what what's next for Smart WFS, WFS? I mean, you've gone you've gone so far in such a short period of time. But what's next? I think just to just to keep growing um, because all of those opportunities that we've been speaking about on this podcast. If we as an organisation don't continue to grow, we're not able to give people the opportunities because we become stagnant as a business. And to keep giving people opportunities and being able to employ grads or develop that education program that we're talking about or or whatever it happens to be to give people career paths within the organisation, to be able to keep driving this IR reform, we have to keep growing because the more we grow, the more talent we get around us, the more knowledge we get around us, the more um, influence that we get, and I say that in a very positive way. Um, so, so yeah, Smart WFM will keep growing, and and I guess the other thing that I'm looking to do, so grow the consulting business, and I'm also very actively looking at the moment for someone to back uh, Epitome Software and really um, take that to market as well. So, plenty, plenty going on as usual. Oh, You've only got to. <laughs> Watch this space. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. You've only got to look at my wife or ask my wife and she'll tell you that I just, you know, I'm, I'm just sort of, I don't stop a lot. I'm, I'm a, you know, just wired to keep going. <laughs> yeah, spot, I, spot, spot the entrepreneur. <laughs> <laughs> hey, tell me, if people are listening to the podcast want to get in touch what, uh, or, or also buy a copy of The Digital Workforce because I know that that's still um, selling uh, its socks off. I'm hoping you've still got some copies that we can, our listeners can get. Um, ha, ha, what's the best way to get in touch with you? So uh, just the, um, well, a couple of different ways. The website, smartwfm.com, um, all our contact links and links to the book and everything are on there. Um, my email address is jm at smartwfm.com. I'm always happy for people to reach out and send an email. Um, and then I'm on all the normal um, social media, LinkedIn and Twitter and all of those different places as well. Cool. Awesome. Well, hey, thank you so much for your time today. It's been so interesting. I love I love going down this workforce management um, path. It's been really great to have you uh, on the podcast. Yeah, delight, Tracy. Thanks for taking the time to chat and um, have a great, uh, a great day. Hope to see you soon. Thank you, Tracy.